take your Bibles tonight. And I know some of y'all are excited. You brought extra pens and paper and you brought a list of past arguments that you still aren't sure if they're over yet. And so you're going to figure out if I still got time to win this one or not. And be preaching on how to win an argument tonight. And uh, y'all can't leave. Oh, yeah. I'm fixing to show them. <laughs> Amen. Well, at least I got your attention. Second Timothy chapter number two tonight. Go down to verse number 23. Second Timothy chapter number two, verse number 23. And something, the thought that's been in my heart for a couple of weeks now. And the Lord's just kind of let it marinate. And uh, I haven't been trying to push it off. I've just been trying to seek the Lord's leadership. But uh, one night I was washing the dishes at the house. And I was just, just washing dishes. And the thought came across, how, how does a Christian win an argument? Now, I want to tell you tonight that me washing the dishes had nothing to do with an argument. <laughs> right, I was just, I was being a good husband, amen, being a blessing to my wife, but I was there washing and, and, and thinking, uh, and just that, that thought came across my heart. I've been just meditating on how does a Christian win an argument? We live in a generation, everybody wants to debate, everybody wants to uh, make you look ignorant and make you look unlearned, and, and they are willing to argue at a, at a, at a you know, the a drop of a hat, and then you've got Christians on the other side. They want to argue with everybody, right? You go to YouTube, and you can type in debates, and you see two men arguing about the different things and about a whole, and it's, it's, no doubt it could be interesting, but I've yet to see somebody watch those saved by the grace of God and, uh, and for, you know, the, or the person they're debating against to acknowledge that they're wrong, right? And it's an interesting thing. So how does a Christian win an argument? Look at verse number 23 of Second Timothy chapter number 2. I just preached out of verse 21 a couple weeks ago on being prepared. You go down to verse number 23. The Bible says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Excuse me, the meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you again for tonight. Lord, thank you for the wonderful song service. Thank you, Lord, that we know you, but Lord, best of all that you know us, Lord, and you know us better than we know ourselves, Lord, and yet you still love us and you care for us and provide for us and protect us, Lord. Lord, what a wonderful thing your grace is tonight. Lord, where would we be if it had not been for the grace of God? And Lord, what would we be doing tonight if it had not been for the grace of God? Lord, I can go back to the day, Lord, where I was, uh, Lord, introduced to grace. Lord, had a firsthand experience with grace. But I'm thankful, Lord, that it did not stop that day. Lord, every day since my salvation, I've been reminded how graceful you really are, Lord. And I thank you tonight, Lord, that you love us the way that you love us, Lord. A love that is beyond comprehension, that is beyond compare tonight, Lord. And Lord, we can't even completely fathom it and understand it tonight, Lord, but we sure do enjoy it this evening. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just take the word of God and make it clear to us tonight. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for my Bible. Lord, it's not just a book full of fairy tales as some men say, but Lord, it's the very words of God tonight. Lord, it's more up to date to, with our society, Lord, than anything the press and the media can put out. Lord, it helps with everyday problems. Lord, it helps with everyday issues. Lord, thoughts and directions and decisions. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for the word of God tonight. Lord, where would we be at tonight if it had not been for the word of God? 
We ask you tonight, Lord, you just help us from the word of God. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God tonight. Lord, make preaching, teaching, God, what you desire it to be this evening. And Lord, help us to walk out of here, God, with some practical truth, God, that can help us in our everyday life. Lord, because this is not if something, if we're going to face it, but Lord, when? And when are we going to deal with this? Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Now, tonight, when we say argument, I, I think there is a vast difference between a disagreement and an argument. Everybody, whether you like it or not, everybody is going to go through a time of disagreement with somebody. Why? We are all different tonight. And here's the thing about a disagreement. It can be based upon fact or upon opinion tonight. But here's the thing tonight. You can both disagree on things, but still continue together. And just because I disagree with you does not mean I don't respect you. Right, we, we are living in a generation where they tell us in a society that says, if you don't agree with us, it's because you hate us. Right, if you don't agree with homosexual marriage, it's because you hate homosexuals. If you don't agree with um, uh, transgender people, it's because you hate them. If you don't agree with abortion, then it's because you hate abortion. Right, or you hate those that are getting abortion. The truth matters, I don't hate those people. Right at the same time, my desire is for them to get saved by the grace of God, but my desire to see them saved and my desire to express Christ's love with them does not entitle me to compromise on the truth of God's word. And though I disagree with them, that does not mean that I do not pray for them and I do not want to see them saved by the grace of God. So we have to understand tonight, just because you and I disagree on some things doesn't mean that we are to be disrespectful to each other. Right, disagreements are, are, are a dime a dozen tonight. If I were to say how many of y'all believe that Chevys have better trucks than Ford, some people's hands would go up. If I were to say how many of y'all believe that Ford has better trucks than Chevys, somebody else's hands would go up. And how many of you would say, well, we can all agree that Nissan doesn't have good pickup trucks, right? We can all, and he said, no, preacher, I disagree with you, right? And listen, you can disagree with me because I have no idea what I'm talking about. That is not, my, that is not my, 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 my mode of understanding tonight, amen? All I know is when I turn the key in my cars, I expect them to turn on. And then if they don't, something's wrong. Don't know how to fix it, don't know the cause of it, but thankfully God has put people in my life that do, amen? But at the same time, we can have all these different kind of disagreements and still uh, get together, fellowship together because they're non-essential things, right? But an argument is different from a disagreement. Now, some arguments are birthed out of disagreements. See, a disagreement says you and I, we, we simply don't see eye to eye on this, and that's okay. Argument says you and I don't see eye to eye on this, and now I've got to do whatever I can to get you to get on my level, right? And, and that's the vast difference between a disagreement and an argument. I, I looked the word argument up in the dictionary uh, this afternoon, and I said, well, what's old Oxford got to say about it? Now, what's old Webster got to say about it? And they said that an argument, I wrote it down here somewhere in my notes. It says, not only are you wrong, but I'm not going to give up until you agree with me. But a lot of times an argument is characterized by emotion. I thought, ain't that interesting? Because you look back at the arguments in your life, and you probably say 100% of them have emotion tied to them somewhere. In essence, you didn't sit down in your chair and the opposing party didn't sit down in their chair and cross hands and talk politely one to another. Right? That's not an argument, that's a disagreement. An argument is, is there's that emotional appeal and that emotional outburst, that emotional, you fill in the blank there tonight. And I, I got to thinking about this as well. When you go to court, uh, sat on jury for a criminal case and they have opening statements 
right, where the, each lawyer gives an opening statement concerning the case, but by the end of the case, their opening statements have turned into closing arguments. In essence, that lawyer is getting paid for to, in a, in a sense, to get the jury on their side. I was amazed. I sat in that courtroom and just listened to them go back and forth and banter and, and how they were trying their best to get the jury on their side or on their client's side. That's how we should say it tonight. And they were willing to do by any means necessary for that or that was allowed for that to take place. But an argument is where you take, you step over disagreement and now it's become an emotional struggle, an emotional wrestling match. <clears throat> and arguments are often known for their value, or excuse me, their, their volume and their vileness. Well, what do you mean by that, preacher? Oftentimes, <laughs> I was going to be funny tonight and say, here's how the Christian wins an argument. Just be louder than the other person. Let's pray and go home tonight. Right, but we know it's, it's more than that, but, but if you've ever been in an argument or seen an argument take place before you, you can, you can sense the emotion there. You don't have to question it. You know it's there. <clears throat> and so tonight, as we look in the scripture tonight, you say, well, preacher, I didn't see the word argument in there. Preacher, if we're going to see what the Bible has to say, I didn't see the word argument there. Look at verse number 23. Go to that last word in verse number 23. It's the word strifes. Right then it says, and foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. The word gender means to birth or to bring about. And so we see what the word strife means. It means quarrels, fights. It means arguments. It's not a word that we would use today, but we see it in our Bible. And so-and-so strove against so-and-so or so-and-so strived against somebody. And there's an argument, there's a quarrel, there's a fight there. Now how many of you know tonight that you might have gotten an argument with somebody and there was no physicality to it, but there was a fight going on. There was a struggle going on. It wasn't necessarily, I, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I just want to be dominant over you. Right? I, I want to put you down and show my, 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 my dominance over you tonight. A lot of times that's what arguments break down to. Is somebody, it's, not, it's no longer about being right, it's just about winning. And we see that in verse number 23, the Bible says that there are some things, right, that, are, that lead down this way, right, or lead towards the path of arguments. And what are they, verse number 23? The Bible says, but foolish and unlearned questions. Foolish and unlearned questions. Preacher, my teacher told me, there's no such thing as a dumb question. There's no such thing as a bad question. And, and, and in essence, when you're asking it from a pure heart, that's a true statement, Right, when you're asking it for information, when you're asking it because you really want to learn something, then yes, there's no such thing. The, the only question that, that is dumb is a question that is unasked. But how many of you know that sometimes people ask questions not because they're looking for information, but they're instigating? How many of us tonight have asked some questions because we already knew the answer? We were just trying to instigate something. They, when I worked in the cabinet shop, we had a symbol. We had a, a, a motion, a hand signal that we would do when we knew something was brewing, something was going on, that so-and-so was mad with somebody, and it looked like this. And talking about we'd stir the pot. There was a guy that I worked with. I knew if I took an issue in the blueprints, if I took it to him, it would ruin his day. And he would do it. He would take it from me. He would snatch it out of my hand. He wasn't mad at me. He was mad at the guy that drew it up. And he'd walk up there, and he would say things to him that I can't repeat. And so I knew, man, if, if, if he was having a boring day, Chuck, come over here. Let me show you what they did. And he would take off, I mean, Banny Rooster up the stairs, getting ready, getting ready to fight somebody. 
Can I say tonight what we see here this evening? The Bible tells us there that, that reality is uh, the, the initial advice concerning arguments is this, avoid them. Avoid them. Now, that doesn't mean you compromise truth. It doesn't mean that you uh, don't stand for the truth of God's word. But just because somebody asks you a question about it doesn't mean they're seeking information. And when you discern that what they're asking you is an unlearned question or a foolish question, it is not a proper question, you understand they are headed right into a direction. They are looking for an argument. My dad had a saying growing up. I didn't realize he was giving me Bible truth when I was growing up. He'd say things like this to me, my brother. He'd say, listen, don't you dare going around, don't you dare go around starting fights. He said, if you do that, right, if you start the fights, you're gonna get whooped one day. And it's gonna happen. He said, but if you ever find yourself in a fight, he said, you better finish it. Right? But I better think, yeah, I'm gonna finish me some fights. And then nobody wanted to fight. And I learned that it's a whole lot easier to go through life and not being that person who's constantly instigating things and picking fights because sooner or later, you're gonna pick the wrong one. Sooner or later, you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm gonna mop the floor with you and you're gonna get up and your head's in the mop bucket. But we see here the initial advice of, of, of an argument is right to avoid them. Proverbs 8, 6 says, a fool's lips enter into contention. Right, and his mouth calleth for strokes Right, another portion of the proverb says that only by pride cometh contention. Right, in essence, of that, the argument, it may have grounds and a disagreement when handled correctly can stay right there, but when pride gets involved, we're headed towards an argument. And the Bible says to avoid those things. Right, and here's the, you're gonna hear a question and you're gonna say, that you may not say it audibly, but you're at least gonna think it and you're gonna say something like, who in the world Ask a question like that. I'm going to have to set them straight. And argument season is on. Right, so we see tonight that the, the initial advice is to avoid it. But let me ask you tonight, and we, we, we see in verse number 24, we're also commanded not, to, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. In essence, it's not a spiritual thing to go around causing arguments. Right, it's not a spiritual thing to be an instigator. It's not a spiritual thing to be a stir, stirrer of the pot per se. Right, it's not a sign that servant of the Lord must not strive. We're told to live peaceably with all men as, as much as is within us to do so. Right, but at the same time, they, they, listen, sometimes you're gonna find yourself in an argument and you're not gonna realize, how in the world did I get here? Right, but at the same time, I know some Christians, you probably know some Christians like, that is their ministry. Right, listen, the gospel in, a, in and of itself, the Bible tells us is offensive. Right to the lost and dying world, to the world's systems, the world's ways, what you and I believe is already offensive to them. And so we have to realize, like, though our gospel is offensive, nowhere are we commanded to be offensive, right? Or to be rude and to be crude and to be mean and to, to be that instigator who starts the argument. So we see here tonight, the Bible says, verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive. And we are told to avoid those things that gender strife. Well, preacher, I wish I'd have known that beforehand because I didn't avoid it. I gendered it. And I didn't, I, and I, 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 I found myself in it now, preacher. I found myself in an argument. What do I do now? I didn't start it, preacher, but somehow I ended up in it. What do I do? Preacher, how do I win the argument? I want to give you three instructions here out of 2 Timothy tonight to help you win the argument. 
Verse number one, number one tonight, gentle. Be gentle, look at verse number 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. How many know tonight that there's so many it's just hard to be gentle with? That, don't, that statement don't even sound right coming from a man. I don't think I've ever told another man to be gentle with another man. That don't sound right, but that's what the Bible's telling us. The Bible tells us, how do I win an argument? Oh, no, preacher, you fight fire with fire. They get loud, I get loud. They cuss, I'm gonna cuss. They call me names, I'm gonna call them names. Can I say tonight that's not how it works? And I, listen, tonight, I'm not preaching at you. Now. I, listen, I've got the same flesh you got. Right, I got the same propensity to boil up and boil over. But at the same time, just because I have the ability to do so doesn't mean I have the right to do so. And we see here tonight, the Bible says the first step in winning an argument biblically is to be gentle, right? To be gentle. <laughs> when I say gentle, we think about things like whispering, about proper grammar, right? Using words like honey and dear. Would you please listen to me? There's a precious lady I know. I don't think I've ever heard her voice get above a whisper. She's just so sweet and she's just so nice all the time. Man, how? How do you do that? How do you? It's one of those kind of things. But here the Bible says that when you and I find ourselves in a moment of strife, in a quarrel, in a fight, in an argument, Paul told Timothy, hey, be gentle. Be gentle, Timothy. What does that mean? It means be mild, be affable, right? Be, be kind to them. And that's, why would Paul tell him that? Because it's hard to argue with somebody who's being gentle, right? It's hard to argue with somebody who's not going to argue back with you, right? It gets frustrating, right? You, especially when you're the one who instigates it, when you're the one who starts it, and then all of a sudden they don't want to fight with you no more, right? They, they look at you and they, they talk to you quietly and they talk to you in a reserved fashion and they'll even say things like, I'm not arguing with you. And, and, and something in our flesh says, well, I'm going to do whatever I can to make you. Right? I'm going I'm to, whatever I can. I'm gonna, man, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't tell all the family secrets tonight. This is not my, my immediate family. This is my married into family. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a time where me and one of my family members, they're not in the room tonight. We worked together. And... He got upset, up, frustrated, and, and they said, hey, you need to go down there and talk to him. I said, uh-uh, I ain't talking to him. They said, you're the only one that can calm him down. I said, I ain't going down there until he calms down. They said, why not? I said, you don't mess with the wasp nest with the wasp are flying outside of it. Wait for them jokers to calm down. Right, and it's hard to argue with somebody when they're gentle. And here the Bible says, listen, not only avoid it, but if you find yourself, it won't be gentle. In essence, sit down and, and, and calm your, do whatever you got to do, right? To be gentle with them. Be gentle. Don't ever let them know they got you was something I was taught. Don't ever let them know they got you. Don't be harsh. Don't be rude. Don't be mean. Be gentle. Can I say tonight, if you're going to win a, an argument spiritually and scripturally tonight, it's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit. A lot of the times we like to think as we grow in our Christian life, that the, the older we get in Christ, the more we can do by ourselves. Can I say tonight the opposite is true? The older we get in Christ, the more we realize I'm absolutely nothing without him. This Bible doesn't make sense to the natural man. 
And I, I, I can't look at it and say, well, it's because of my great education and my Bible college degree that this thing makes sense to me. Somebody asked me this week, say, they said, preacher, how do you, how do you get all that out of the scripture? And I said, it's the Lord. Right, it's the Lord. When I graduated Bible college, it wasn't instantaneously, all of a sudden things started leaping off the page to me. But I, I told this person, I said, listen, it, it, it's, not, it's not a great secret. I said, you just gotta be consistent. You gotta put yourself at the Lord's table every day and say, all right, Lord, feed me. Feed me, Lord, show me what I need for today. But you gotta learn to, when it comes to an argument, you gotta learn to be gentle. And here's what you'll find out. They, they, oh, it's gonna eat them up on the inside. Their volume is going to increase and they are gonna get louder and louder. And you just get gentler and gentler. Sit there and reserved, and, and you can even make the statement, listen, I will talk to you, but I'm only going to talk to you when you calm down. Because this thing isn't going to resolve. We're not in a wrestling match here. Brother Luke asked me, he said, preacher, is one of your points put them in a headlock and submit them? No, it's not. Right? It's to be gentle. Let me ask you tonight, when, when things begin to escalate, how quickly does your gentleness go out the window? How, how fast does that leave? Right, so he said, hey, be gentle, Timothy, with them. Be gentle. Right, Timothy, there's going to be people that come to your church and they're going to want to argue. He said, be gentle with them. Then notice number two, how do I win an argument? Teach, don't threaten. Teach, don't threaten. Look at verse number 24, apt to teach. Oh, preacher, you, you talked about that when we were talking about the pastor. He's supposed to be apt to teach. He is. But if you go to the verse number 24, and the servant, how many of y'all want to serve the Lord? Uh, we all do, right? Well, if you want to serve the Lord, what does that make you? A servant. And what does the Bible say right there in verse number 24? They must be gentle, but they must be apt to teach. They must be apt to teach. Oh, preacher. Oh, preacher, 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 preacher. I can't do what you do. There's no way I could get up in front of people three times a week and give three points in a, in a message. And the preacher, can I say tonight? that you don't have to have three points in a message to teach people? Let me ask you, how many points did your mathematics teacher have in high school? Did they, did they sit down and say, all right, point number one. None of my math teachers taught in that sense. But notice there's a big difference between teaching and threatening. Right, the goal isn't to threaten them into submission. Either you agree with me or I'm gonna powerbomb you. Right, either you get, you get into my, now listen, I understand that I, when it comes to parenting children and it comes to them raising up and, and, and teaching them and, 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 and training them, sometimes as a dad or as a mother, you have to put your foot down and you have the God-given authority to do that. This ain't your house. Them ain't your clothes. That ain't your food. You didn't pay for it. And so if you want to keep eating, you want to keep being, being dressed, you want to keep having clothes, have somewhere to sleep, you need to get in line. Right? The parents have the authority to do that. It's part of teaching and training, holding them accountable, right? But there's a big difference between teaching and threatening. Can I say tonight that some pastors threaten, right? And then some pastors teach. Some threaten and some teach and they don't sound anything alike, right? Uh, and some, some of us, and it, and can I say tonight, it's easier for the flesh to threaten because once again, it takes the spirit of God to teach. It takes the spirit of God to take truths from the word of God and to teach these things. And what you realize tonight, you got to realize who your audience is, especially when it comes to dealing with lost people. It comes to dealing with people outside of the grace of God tonight who have brought something to you. They're not looking for advice. They're looking for an argument. And you got to realize you're not going to change their mind. 
You can't. You don't have the ability to do so. For a lot of my Christian life, I thought, boy, I got to have the answer for everything because I don't want to get tripped up and I, I, I want to make sure I can straighten somebody out and get them put where they're supposed to be. And then I found out I can't do that because I, I tell them exactly what the Bible says, what Jesus said to do and how the word of God says to do it and go in and out one ear and out the other. And, they go, well, and, I, and then you get frustrated, you get mad and so you just throw everything and then you're in the argument. But you have to remind yourself, I'm here to teach. I'm here to teach. I'm apt to teach. Right, to be at, to have the ability to teach. Now, I don't know what your school was like when you was growing up, but I talked about our math teachers. Now, I had, I had some tough ones. I had some that had some short fuses. But none of them, I, I don't ever once remember being threatened by one of my math teachers. You either figure out how to do algebra or I'm going to suspend you. That never came out of my teacher's mouth. <laughs> Teacher, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand why, why we got to find all these letters in our math problem. Well, either you figure it out, you'll be expelled. What? <laughs> that's not teaching, that's threatening. I can't tell you how many times I'd ask a question and my teacher would repeat what they've already taught. Right, to reaffirm it, to, to, to teach it again. They're apt to teach. You gotta realize when you teach somebody, you are trying to get them to understand truth. When you threaten somebody, you're trying to control them. You're trying to, you're trying to exude your dominance over them. And any time tonight when you get in an argument and, and, and you lose the focus of teaching, right, and all of a sudden it becomes threatening, you're headed in the wrong direction. Right, they're arguing with you, they don't agree with you. The goal isn't to threaten them, it's into submission, it's to teach them to understand and so what if, you know, what if your teachers threaten you, but they didn't teach you, right? You wouldn't know how to do two plus two. So we see that we're apt to teach. Let, let me, let's get real serious tonight. Let's get real personal. How many uh, <laughs> you, you head into the argument? You, you're thinking about teaching, but it sounds like I'm going to teach them a lesson. I'm going to straighten them out. And I'm talking about, man, you go from A to Z, you cover all your, cross all your T's, not all, I mean, you deal with absolutely everything and it goes one ear and out the other. And so you, here's what you say, well, I, they're beyond teaching it. So now I got to threaten them. I know some people that, that, I'm trying to make my best way to explain this tonight, that they can get what they want and they're willing to threaten to get there. And then once it's done, they step back and say, look what I've done. I told you I could get them to do it. Can I say tonight, that's not the heart of the Christian. It is to teach, right? How many are glad tonight that God's willing to teach you? How many times has God had to teach you the same lesson? You thought, man, by now I, I should have this figured out. And, 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 and. But no, you, you find yourself in the same classroom again. You feel like you're repeating the same grade and then you find out God is still faithful to teach you. I don't know about you tonight. God's never threatened me. God's never said, hey, you better preach that sermon or your house is going to fall over. The Christian life is a life of obedience, but it's not obedience for reward or it's not disobedience or, or a lack of obedience for a, uh, what, a lack of reward tonight. It's because of who he is. I obey God for who he is and right for what he's already done in my life. And so when we get an argument, not be gentle. Be gentle. Listen, if you feel it flaring up, 
The next time this disagreement escalates into argument, start repeating it. Be gentle. Be gentle. Be gentle. It may help you and it may scare them. <laughs> Be gentle. Teach. Don't threaten. Teach. teach. I'm here to teach. I'm here to teach. I'm here to teach. I'm here to teach. I'm not here to threaten. And finally, number three, this is one we all love. Be patient. Preacher, you can't win arguments being patient because the argument's going to be over and finished and you're not going to win if you're being patient. You're going to miss your mark. You're going to miss your time if you're patient. Look at verse number 24. Since the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. And what's the last one? Patient. Now, how many have ever, and I've, I've preached on this before, how many have ever say, heard someone say, don't pray for patience? Because the Lord's going to give it to you. Can I say tonight, that's the fruit of the Spirit? You can't live the Spirit. Preacher, I'm living the Spirit-filled life. What's patience like? That's a direct gift of God tonight. A patient person is a spiritual person. And we like to think that we, the only time patience is involved in our life is when we're sitting over here for that great blessing to come into our life. I'm patiently waiting for that, that, that uh, random family member who was a multimillionaire to send me that check, that inheritance check for a couple hundred thousand dollars. I don't know their name, but I mean, we got, we got the same last name, so hopefully they'll do that for me. I'm patiently waiting, Lord. So that's oftentimes we, we always illustrate in that sense that I'm patiently waiting for, for God to give me some great and wonderful thing tonight. But can I say, it takes patience to spiritually uh, face and spiritually act and spiritually see your way through an argument. God, give me patience. Can I say tonight that I found out that a lot of times I need more patience dealing with people than I do waiting for stuff. And when I found out, people need patience to deal with me. Listen, understand tonight that, that I'm a completely different person when it comes to pastoring. Right? I, 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 I'm, I am myself. I, I operate differently. And I want to say thank you for being patient with me. Right? When I took over, everybody had a right to say, you know what, I'm going to go try somewhere else. That fellow's only 28 years old. They're going to mistake him for the donut delivery boy at the hospital. And, and I don't know. I don't know if I can sit underneath him. Can I say tonight, thank you for being patient? And I've learned as you've been patient with me, I've got to be patient with you. Right? And that's, that's a wonderful thing because it's a spiritual gift. Right? It is it's a fruit of the Spirit tonight or a fruit of the, yeah, the fruit of the Holy Spirit tonight to be patient. And so if I'm going to be a spiritual person, I must exude patience. Learn to wait on the Lord. You have to remember now, it's not about you winning. It's not about you winning. Can I say tonight, I don't think God's up in heaven keeping record of how many arguments you win. But he is keeping record of how many times you let him work. How many times you're patient enough to give him time to do what he wanted to do. And that requires patience. Preacher, I'm struggling with patience. Well, get rid of your television. Get rid of your phone. Get rid of your microwave. We're so accustomed to things right now. I go to McDonald's. You might go, I don't go to McDonald's. You might go to McDonald's. I go to Chick-fil-A. Well, Chick-fil-A's never let me down. <laughs> you go there and you order. I had to wait six minutes for my food. Did you die? <laughs> right now, we're so accustomed to that. And so that's why when the argument flares up, oh, I've, I've got to stop. I've got to win. I think sometimes men are more apt to that than, than ladies are. We, men are ingrained with that desire to fight, right? And, and that's why men like watching UFC and boxing and football and just about anything where two people crash into each other. It's something fascinating about it. 
And so when those arguments come in, that instinct kick, I've got to win. I've got, if I, if I don't win, I'm less of a man. Can I say tonight, you'll be more of a man when you let God work and God intervene in those situations. Man, preacher, I brought all these extra notepads and I got my highlighters and everything. I thought you was, I thought you was gonna give me the secret to, to always win the argument, to always put them in their place, to always come out with my chest poked up, my head held up high. I ain't lost an argument yet. Well, tonight I really, I did. Be gentle. Teach, don't threaten. Be patient. Verse 25 and verse 26 really is the goal that we should have and desire for when we find ourselves in an argument. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. <laughs> Preacher, you mean they oppose themselves? I thought they was opposing me. I said they oppose themselves. Matter of fact, when you run into people and you find yourself, and a lot of the times you can step back and if you really analyze the situation, they're not mad at you. They're upset with God about something in their personal life. And they're upset that maybe that you have something that they don't or, or they didn't get to experience something that you got to experience. And, and so they, they bring out the out. And really they're, they're really, they're upset with themselves. Here's the thing that I, I've learned this through ministry. I've learned it through life. You can fix people. The Bible talks about a scorner. And tonight you can't talk a scorner out of being scornful. The only person that can change a scorner is God. The only person that can change someone's mind is God. And that's why you, you be gentle, you teach them, you present it to them, and you be patient. You wait on God. It says, in the servant of the Lord must not strive, excuse me, in meekness instructing those that oppose them, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. <laughs> and listen to what the Lord's saying here. The Lord, the Lord said, I'll tell them the truth. And really, it's still up to them. They've they got to make the choice there. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his Will. We see tonight they're oppressed people. <laughs> and here and tonight when they come and they begin to argue with you, they're already oppressed. They don't need you oppressing them too. They need you to be gentle with them. Teach and be patient with them. That's how you win the argument tonight. It's not a clever statement. It's not yelling and it's not name calling and, and threatening them. It's be gentle with them. Be patient with them. Teach them. And then say, all right, Lord, they're yours. I've done what you told me to do. I can do no more. Can I say that's difficult to do sometimes? Is to let go of people that you love dearly, you care for greatly, right? To let them go and turn them over to the Lord. But can I say tonight, he can do far more with them than you could ever do with them. Preacher, how do I win an argument? Be gentle, teach, don't threaten, and be patient tonight. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you.